across the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the God of Thunder, Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 92. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing, uh, okay. Doing okay? I'm doing alright. Today's Kevin's birthday, so... Should be doing okay. I'm 30. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so excited. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Well, my birthday's next week, so in six days to be exact. That's right. So I'll know soon enough. Today, as always, we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before getting Ernie Trinidad back on the show to do a feature review of Thor The Dark World. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start it with you this week. Start it with me. Uh, I finally uh, checked off a huge movie off of my list of shame. And it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but well, I've never th- seen The Seven Samurai. Don't be, because it's on my list too. Uh, the Kurosawa Masterpiece. Finally saw this. I've been trying to watch this movie for a very long time. And every single time I go to view it, I'm reminded that it's 207 minutes long. And then I'm like, well, fuck, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But this time around, I was like, nah, I got to do this. Uh, Number one, it should not be that long. No, shouldn't be at all. But because the problem with it is they do. Okay, it's a small village. They they keep being attacked by bandits. Bandits steal all their food and kill them. Okay, so the villagers decide to get to go into town and hire some samurai to protect them. So very simple plot. But the problem is, is when they go into town, they show like the entire recruitment stage in real time. So it's like go up to one samurai, he says no. Go up to another samurai, talk to him for a little bit, he says no. And it's just that for like an hour. And there's no need for it. And then second, they finally get their their uh, ragtag group of samurai together, which is, I'm pretty sure, where that whole development came from that's used in like every movie, the ragtag group. And yeah. so they go back to the village, and they start planning how they're going to defend, defend the village and how they're going to attack the bandits. That's also shown in real time. So it's them walking around with the map of the village pointing to the map and discussing what they're going to do in real time for like an hour. Again, does not need to be that long, but it all builds up perfectly to an insane ending, which is unbelievable. Just the scope of it is pure insanity. It's just nonstop action for like the last hour. It's unbelievable. I mean, the first battle sequence is at night, which is amazing. The second is during the daytime, and then the third and final battle is in the daytime in the pouring rain, which just, it's amazing. So, I mean, you have to recommend it. It's Seven Samurai. But the only thing that I don't get is, like, everyone makes a huge deal about Kurosawa and Mifune, the actor, being Mm -hmm. unbelievable. I've seen two films of his now where I don't get it. I think he's just a hammy, hammy over the top over-the-top actor, just ridiculous, really. I think he's, I mean, I want to say he's terrible, almost. Mm. I don't get it. 
maybe there's other films that he's better, but in this one, it's the same thing. He just plays an over-the-top cartoon character. He's like a brute. It's just, it's ridiculous. And I, I couldn't. It's so annoying after a while. I mean, it's like three hours of it. Couldn't do it. But, <clears throat> yeah, highly recommend that, which probably everyone's already seen it. So Yeah, except me. <laughs> just talking to you, really. Hmm. And... And then for some reason, I followed that up with Helvetica, the documentary, which uh, you know how you have your French New Wave is your palate cleanser. Mine are fluff documentaries. That's my palate I like, cleanser. I like using those too as a palate cleanser. There's, a, there's no reason that this movie should fucking exist. No. There's no reason that this should be a documentary. And the fact that it's, it's good when it's informative. I mean, they talk to a lot of designers and how you know they speak highly of Helvetica and sort of the origin story of Helvetica, how it came about, who worked on it, and why it is the way that it is, and you know the people that use it, and then of course it goes into its overuse, and then of course it created people that are against it and they hate using it, and they sort of talk to all those designers, and it's great, <clears throat> but every so often and entirely too often they just they pause. The director pauses and just shows you signage, just everyday use of the font Helvetica, just, you know, signage of the storefront, signage on road signs, stickers, and it's just over and over and over again. They do this like four or five times. And the first time you're like, oh, yeah, Helvetica's everywhere. Second time you're like, yeah, wow, it really is everywhere. Third, fourth and fifth time you're like, I fucking get it. Knock it off. You could easily cut that. I mean, this is essentially like a 50-minute documentary, but they just keep overusing that for some reason. I don't know. There's no like, so there's no like voiceover narration happening while they're showing. No, they just show you the shit. That would have been smarter for them to show it and have some sort of narration. You would think, and then it gets ridiculous because at the very end, like the last time that they do it, the one I can't remember if it was like a designer or a historian or something. You know, they talk to him because everything when they talk, it's just a talking head documentary. So after they're done talking to him, they do the same thing over, showing you all the signage. But he's standing next to it, just pointing at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fucking get it. I can I can find Helvetica mm-hmm. in your shot. I don't need some middle aged man pointing to it with a stupid look on his face. But I mean, for me, I enjoyed it because I love to pop topography it's amazing i love lettering but if you're not into fonts and stuff or design there's no reason to watch this there's just not so it's a very light recommend and forever uh century gothic fuck you helvetica i disagree with that but bleeding cowboy by the way (laughs) (laughs) and the funny thing is you you told me about bleeding cowboy I looked it up, and then you said, well, now that you know what it is, you're going to see it everywhere. Going to Barnes & Noble, first thing I see is a tattoo magazine that uses Bleeding Cowboy as their font. You're going to see it everywhere. <laughs> a lot of bad movies use it. Oh, God. It it's, is everywhere, and it's the worst thing I've ever it's, seen. It's absolutely terrible. I hate it. Uh, and then I followed it up with uh, Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch, the Western classic. Which, this movie is insane. <laughs> this, this is, number one, it has to be the inspiration for No Country for Old Men. Just the, the way the ending plays out, it just feels exactly like No Country. 
this is different from all other westerns you know your typical american western where there's a lot of blood and just innocent people being slaughtered the, oh yeah it starts starts off with the the massacre that is I, I don't understand how they planned it so poorly but they end up killing everyone except the people they were trying to kill <laughs> so they they end up killing like the entire town of innocent people and missing what was it like six seven outlaws that they were trying to kill which i'm pretty sure that they did get shot during the whole thing but then they cut to them escaping and they're all living i didn't, I didn't understand that but it it feels like it's only the only reason that this exists is for the set piece of the massacre at the beginning and the just balls out insanity massacre at the end where they literally gunned down like an entire nation and then in between you throw in that silent train robbery that they do which they mm-hmm. they just hijack a train which is just the way that it's done is unbelievable to do it in silence is fantastic and also i could think of was the the uh that breaking bad episode where they pretty much do the wild bunch train robbery thing loved it and it, it ends you know they steal the train they take it away they unload all, all the ammunition and rifles off of it and then they jump off the train and send the train back full steam ahead back <laughs> to where the cavalry is and so you have two trains collide and then it, you know they chase them onto the bridge and they're crossing the bridge and they load it up with dynamite and they blow it up. And it, this is what I love about old films because they just gave, they had fuck all, they cared fuck all about safety. They just yeah. did the ballsiest things you've ever seen. So they have the people on horseback on the bridge while they blow it up and they do it in slow motion. That is amazing. Yeah. And I'm surprised that no one died. I also understand why there's not really westerns anymore because they treated horses like shit. Like the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm just like, ah, oh, poor horses. Yeah. Oh, poor horse. <laughs> oh, that poor horse. And I mean, this, this movie's great. It's a classic. And I just love the, like the, the brutal depiction of like the gunfighting. Like it's realistic. To, it's not, this isn't John Wayne Western where people yeah. get shot and they just clutch their chest and yeah, spin around is- and, yeah, it's not like super Shit. Hollywood. This when this movie came out, it was extremely controversial. Yes, because the, the level of violence in this movie was just like unheard of. The the ending, the they honestly slaughter like an entire nation of people. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, what's the body count in that scene? Like 150 people alone. <laughs> it's a lot. It's just mowing down people with bullets. That's all it is. Just people getting shot in the face over and over again. I want to have to watch this again. I'm pretty sure I've seen this like years and years and years ago. And I remember so little. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Definitely check it out again. Uh, and then, for some reason, I watched The Visitor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because you told me about this on our last podcast. So I was like, I have to do this. It's a birthday present to myself. And I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know what any of it... What, yeah. what happened? I don't know. I don't understand anything that happened in this movie. It was just 108 minutes of insanity. Yeah. I don't... And I'm thinking... they get. So you were talking about the basketball part where, you know, she blows up... I don't know if she blows up the ball or the basketball hoop or what she does. 
but she's at the the backboard looks like the backboard so she's at the basketball game and the whole time i'm thinking oh man i can't wait to see kareem abdul jabbar get blown up playing basketball it's not even fucking close to kareem abdul jabbar i don't know well that's why why last week last week when you mentioned it i was like i guess that's who it was but it like i didn't it didn't look like him. Yeah, the skin tone is completely different. The guy's only like 6'5", something like that. I mean, Kareem Dujbar is 7'2". I, I don't understand how you mix up Kareem Dujbar with anyone else. Slightly racist on IMDb's part. What are, they, what are they trying to say? So that was disappointing. I thought it was going to be Kareem Dujbar getting blown up. That didn't happen. So that was a letdown. Uh, Franco Nero's Jesus Christ was... I don't, I don't even know how to describe that. Confusing. Like when he's telling the story at the beginning, it's like he doesn't even understand the story that he's telling. It sounds like he's just making it up as they're filming. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that there was no script for this film. They just made it up as they went along. And I love the cover too, because the cover makes almost no sense what it is, whatsoever. Yeah. What? <laughs> None of that happened. Ever. Eyeball with lightning. <laughs> Talons. Is is he holding like piano wire? Yeah, I think it's referring to the scene towards the end that happens with the wheelchair. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, thing. yeah. Which that was hilarious. The, the little girl just going up and down, whatever those wheelchair elevators are called. That was fucking weird. The whole the wheelchair freak out is love it without a doubt one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> amazing that's how i felt watching the whole while watching the film i felt like her just freaking out and wheeling myself in circles in a wheelchair (laughs) and then then you have the hawk with the metal rod out of his beak yeah what was that all about stabbing lance hendrickson in the throat what the what i john houston what's john houston doing i'm so confused I feel like I need therapy. I love the the scene with Glenn Ford, the the death scene, is <laughs> it was so over the top and out of control. <laughs> I don't. What happened? What happened for that 108 minutes? Can anyone explain it to me? I don't know if anybody can explain it. <sighs> I'm so I'm just I'm so downright confused. It's like a recommend, maybe. Well, I think you have to go into it knowing that it's just batshit insane. Like, I I knew that it was going to be insanity, but it's just, it's like, it's a complete cha- train wreck. I don't, I don't understand any of it. I don't know what I it is. I agree that it's a train wreck, but I loved it. I mean, it's just downright terrible. Yeah, it was fun and entertaining, and it confused me to know, I'm going to think about this the rest of my life. And anytime like something doesn't make sense to me, I just automatically envision her freaking out in her wheelchair. Like, that's <laughs> that's become my thing now. Uh, so anytime anytime I don't understand something, that's gonna be playing in my head. I also love the the ice skating scene. Where did that that just popped up out of nowhere? Yeah. I'm like, why are they ice skating? Why are they fighting her? What's the point of this? And she kicks their asses. She sure does. And the music's amazing. The music doesn't fit, mm-hmm. but it makes everything so much better. I don't. It's. Oh my god. The visitor. Watch that shit, please. Everyone. Yep. And 
I saw 12 Years a Slave, which I think we're going to talk about later, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about that next week, actually. Okay. Um, and then the last thing I saw was All is Lost, which is the J.C. Chander movie with uh, Robert Redford. Not speaking, hope, lost in yeah, sea. I, I, I hope that we can review this at some point, but it didn't come out where I'm at, so... Um, it's like, it's, you know, it's a survival story, and it plays out like one of those, uh, you know, single-man films like Buried or something like that, where Redford doesn't talk barely at all. I mean, he only has, like, there's a little bit of narration at the beginning, he makes a distress call, and he yells a little bit at the end. Other than that, he doesn't say anything. And honestly, it works. It's it's pretty compelling. I mean, it's a guy trying to survive after his yacht slams into a, a discarded Chinese shipping container full of shoes. Hmm. It's got sneakers. Sneakers in it. So, Rex's yacht. Oh, woe is me. And it's just him surviving, making terrible decisions. I mean, he's the worst sailor ever. He's a fucking idiot. Um... And for the most part, it works until he gets in his life raft and everything just starts going downhill. There's Chander starts using this underwater shot from well below the ocean shooting up at the life raft. Okay. And the first time he does it, there's like a, a school of fish swimming underneath with shitty music playing. And the school of fish is done, you know, digital effects and it looks terrible. So he does that. And then it cuts back to, you know, Redford on top. And then it cuts back again. Underwater shot. Same thing. School fish. Now some medium fish are incorporated in there. And then mm. it cuts back to Redford. And then it cuts back down another time. School fish. Medium fish. And then sharks. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sharks are now in the mix. And it just, it looks terrible. And then, you know, he tries to get the attention of these giant shipping vessels and that's done like green screen digital effect and that looks terrible and then the entire ending of this film is awful like i I was on board and then i started dragging a little bit at the end you know started looking terrible i was like i don't know it's it's still pretty good film though and then the ending just ruined it for me i the ending is just awful i'm sorry but it's it's odd because i and i read a couple of reviews, but I didn't see anyone uh, really discussing this. I, I mean, when I, the only thing that I couldn't get out of my head is it felt like, well, number one, you have these sailing idioms that are used like crazy. Everyone uses those just nonstop. And it felt like an entire metaphor for me for like the economy, commerce, all that type of stuff. I mean, the, the fact that it's a discarded Chinese shipping container full of sneakers and he's on his yacht. Just, right. I just, I couldn't get that out of my head. So it, it worked for a time as that metaphor, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. Because I mean, it is the guy that made Margin Call. So I feel as though that is what he's trying to say. Big fan of Margin Call. I haven't seen Margin Call yet. It's pretty good. So this is like a light recommend. It it works nicely as like an experiment, you know, to see if you can make a compelling film with no dialogue and just actions. Because he shows that you can, but he makes some terrible decisions in his direction, which mirrors the terrible decision that Robert Redford makes as a shitty sailor. <laughs> I mean, a fucking shitty sailor. Robert Redford, not the greatest seaman? Nope. He's fucking awful at it. Hmm. All right. Uh, that's all you got? That's all I got.
I started the week off with a movie called Paris Countdown. This is a French action film that came out in limited release this week. I think it's also on demand. And this was pretty average. Very average. I would go I would go as far to say that it's a manila folder of but, an action film. Boom. Basically it just kind of rips off Only God Forgives, Sleepless Night, and Traffic. That's pretty much the three movies that it's kind of riffing on. Yeah. The entire movie is done with crazy colored filters like only god forgives so every scene is like super bright you know and it's like just completely overblown with like pink and purple and but the beginning of the movie takes place in mexico and that is like super oversaturated like how traffic was Mm -hmm. where everything's yellow yeah uh, and the thing is, like, th- it all looks good, even though, like, it's completely derivative of all those other things. It still looks good. Like, it's still so- a-, a look, a visual style that that works for mm-hmm. me. Unfortunately, the story's not there to back it up. <sighs> like, the the main characters are pretty uninteresting. Like, basically, it's about these two guys that get kind of suckered into doing this what I would assume is a drug deal. I think it's a drug deal. I don't even know if they say what it is. And they get caught by the cops. And the cops end up beating them until they give up this other guy. And they get off. The other guy goes to jail in Mexico, okay. mind you. He gets out of he gets out of prison six years later and goes after these two guys to kill them. Okay. And the, the film unfolds over, I believe it's one night, and it's just these two guys trying to get away from this other guy who's trying to kill him, kill them. Yeah. So there's there's some decent action. There's There's one scene in particular that takes place in this club where it's like a slow motion shootout, but the way that they film it looks really cool. Again, it's nothing we haven't seen before, That's good. but it's it like- looks really good. You're talking about it, and all I can think of is what was you might even mention it. What was the other French the one that took place in the nightclub? Sleep, sleepless night. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much like Sleepless Night. Sleepless Night is much better, much much better. Yeah, this sounds like a this sounds like the epitome of a vanilla vanilla film. Yeah, it is. Like it's I not, almost fell asleep with you talking about it. Yeah, it's not. It's not terrible, but it is it is low budget, so the thing is a lot of the visual stuff looks good, but whatever kind of camera they used was not the best camera. So it does kind of have a low budget look to it. Yeah. Despite having some really good like framing choices and they use a lot of the kind of slow slow moving dolly shots like they do in Only God Forgives, you know, like through the hallways and stuff. very very similar to that Mm -hmm. and some of it works there's there's another scene in addition to that the shootout that i mentioned which looks really cool there's a scene that takes place just a small scene takes place in a a parking garage but the parking garage is like super super bright like it's lit up so much and everything's white in it so like the the ground on the 
in the parking garage, it has this like bright white glossy paint. And they do this thing where they're zooming in on a car. And of course, it's like a black car to, you know, set it, set it apart from everything else being white. Of course. And they zoom in on the car, but they do that trick where they zoom in on the car, but everything else uh, in, in like the periphery is kind of zooming out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it looks, that looks really cool when they do that, but it's such a small thing. <laughs> But you know, if you're if you're kind of bored and you're just looking for a regular action movie, <laughs> such a great endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I gave it like a five out of ten or something. I I do have a full review for that up on the site. It's like a full list of things that you have to check off before you watch this film. You have to be bored. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to take a nap. Go ahead and pop this baby on. If you want something to play in the background while you're taking a, qu- a cat nap, this is perfect. Pretty much, yeah. That's really all I have to say about it. I saw From Beyond, which is directed by Stuart Gordon. This was my Grindhouse Weekly pick. We'll be coming back to this similar similar style later this week with Ryan's, Ryan's uh, it's movie. It's written but- by Brian Usner. So this was decent. I didn't I didn't hate this. I didn't love it. It wasn't I really like Reanimator. Like Reanimator is I think a, a horror classic. And Stuart Gordon directed that as well. This was his follow-up. So this this came out after right after Reanimator. And it's based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. And basically it's about these scientists who are running this experiment to stimulate the pineal gland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they create this device that will supposedly stimulate it enough to create a sixth sense in humans. And what they they succeed, but what it does is it, it enables you to see into another dimension. And yes. not only see see into the other dimension, but it allows things in the other dimension to see you. Yes. And interact with you. Yes. Like so they can touch you and stuff. So when they do it, they go they can see things in this other dimension and there's like these crazy floating jellyfish and like these flying creatures and these weird monsters and stuff. Yes. And the one of the monsters ends up ripping the head off of one of the scientists not ripping it off but twisting it off <laughs> and somehow the scientist ends up in the other dimension as this other monster <laughs> none of it really makes any sense at all oh god but it does star jeffrey combs who oh. is as weird as weird as as he ever was in this oh my god this sounds great yeah Barbara Crampton's in it, and Ken Forey's in it. What's too, uh, so. what's what's this character's name? Who? Jeffrey Combs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It's Crawford Tillinghast. Yeah, that is a great name. That's a fantastic name. And Ken Forey's name's Bubba. Bubba. Bubba Brownlee. Bubba. Bubba. Yeah, he gets killed Aww. in a very uh, very horrific way. Aww. Like these weird little fly things eat him, eat his skin. And there's a scene where a giant worm creature eats Jeffrey Combs, 
but it doesn't ju- it doesn't eat him but it eats all his hair off <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it it sucks him up and then spits him out and all of a sudden he has no hair on his head whatsoever he's completely bald <laughs> and has no eyebrows <laughs> oh god why and I guess due to the exposure on this machine, they call it the, I think it's called the resonator. Mm-hmm. Due to the exposure of this machine, Jeffrey Combs' pineal gland gets so big that it that it causes this like hole in the middle of his head. And the pineal gland like pokes out of the hole and like looks around and basically looks like an asshole on his head. <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. And then somehow he gets like possessed by something and starts sucking out people's eyeballs and eating their brains through the eye through through their eye socket. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really really weird movie. Well, I know what I'm watching this week. It's very gory. Some of the a lot of the special effects look really good. Some of them look horrible, but a lot of them I would say are almost on the same level of practical effects as The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. Lots of like weird appendages growing and things like that. Very, <laughs> very creepy. But you know, it's it's a. I would recommend it. Solid recommend. Yeah, I gotta I gotta watch this. If you're a fan of Reanimator, I think that you'll I, probably like I, this. But there's a lot less intentional comedy in this far more unintentional comedy dude you said that there is a worm that eats a guy spits him back up he has no hair mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah i have to i have to watch that how do you not watch that i don't know it's you it's ridiculous to. it was fun i can't wait and it's it's short too it's it's a pretty breezy movie nice it's less than an hour and a half so I uh, followed that up with Razorback. This will probably be my Grindhouse Weekly for next week. Basically, it's kind of like Tremors. I would say it's like a cross between Tremors and um, Wake and Fright. Okay. So it takes place on the outback. There's a giant killer boar that is terrorizing people. Uh, again, I'm in. That's a, you can stop right there. I'm in. I want to see it. It's so much different than your typical giant monster movie, though. It's the tone is completely different. It's very dark. Uh, you you never see the boar hardly ever. You see the boar like three times in the entire movie. There's just so much else happening. There's these redneck poachers. I guess they're poachers, hunters, or whatever they are that kind of terrorize people. There's uh, they they pull a psycho in this movie and they kill off the main character like 15 minutes in, which was like genuinely surprising to me. Like I was like, holy shit, like they just set up the whole movie to be this woman going to Australia from America. She's doing this report on kangaroo hunters and and then bam, dead. and then they kill her. And I was just like, holy crap. Uh, there's some actually really good camera work in this too. Uh, there's some really interesting transitions they use, and the cinematography is actually really solid. And I was genuinely surprised at how much I liked this movie. I thought it was just going to be kind of a low budget, you know, 
exploitation film, but it was pretty solid. I liked it a lot. I just want to add something here. I wanted to see if I could get this on Netflix. So I type in Razorback. The very first thing that pops up is Raising Tomorrow's Arkansas Fan. And it's ah. called Baby Razorback. And there's this small child with an Arkansas football jersey on yelling. So that go. that exists. That's That sounds like a palate cleanser documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Razorback, check it out, 1984. I want to see that. And then I saw the out, or I almost said the hours. It's just called Hours. This is starring Paul Walker. I'm, I, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> you don't have to say anymore, I'm out. This premiered, I believe, at South By. Oh, is this? this the... was, yeah, this was the oh, one okay. that premiered at South By. And it's about a father who he his wife gives birth and the the baby is five weeks premature so it's on an incubator turns out katrina happens oh that's terrible timing so what happens is the the levees break it floods the hospital floods everybody in the hospital is evacuated and the power goes out but paul walker has to stay by himself in the hospital and crank this uh hand hand crank that generates the battery on the incubator okay every two minutes um. and so the the whole thing is him struggling to keep awake trying to keep his strength up and do this hand crank every two minutes to keep the incubator going and keep his newborn alive okay this sounds and, like enough material for like a 20 minute short film yeah, at most, it's not good. There, there. It, it the premise in and of itself is interesting. Like I like the concept because you know he'll crank it and then he'll like run to try to find a radio or something or someone that can help him. And then like he he has a timer, uh, an alarm set on his watch, and it goes off, and he has to run back and crank it, and then run back. And that's. I think in and of itself, that's kind of an interesting premise, but it goes to some of the most ridiculous places. Like, first of all, he's talking to himself the entire movie. Sure. Having full-blown conversations with himself. And I don't, I don't care if you can rationalize that he is kind of losing it, but it, it is ridiculous. The dialogue is completely ridiculous. Oh, it's come laughable. on. It's, it's the writer of Final Destination 5. It's laughable. Some of it, some of it isn't bad, but most of it is laughable. And wow. so there's that. And then on top of that, it's so ridiculous. So after the levees break and everything floods, it's like it just turns into a post-apocalyptic world there where people are coming in. They're trying to kill him. Like just these marauding bands of, <laughs> of killers are just roaming through and like some some dude comes in immediately points a gun at him steals all his food and then leaves and then these other guys come in and they just murder somebody just for the hell of it and then they try to murder him and it's like is is that really what you think happened during Katrina where all of a sudden everyone just turned into it just turned into mad killers Max. yeah it, like to me it was ridiculous and it Almost offensive. 
This, this sounds absolutely terrible. And, and there's one scene where he runs up to the roof and there's a there's like a rescue chopper coming and he's like waving his arms and he has a flare and stuff. The chopper starts coming in and there's a group of people on the roof across the street from him. They start shooting at the chopper. And it's like, what? okay, why would they do that? Why would they shoot at the rescue chopper? And then, of course, the chopper flies away. This sounds like the dumbest film I've ever heard. In my yeah, life. now that I'm talking, I gave it a two on Letterboxd. Now that I'm talking about it, that score's getting dropped. Well, yeah, once you start flowing with it, yeah. surprising it's- how many times you just, as you're talking about a film, you just grow to hate it even more. Yeah. Like you just realize, oh, everything that I'm saying is awful. Yep. So there are there are several things that I do like about it, though. Paul Walker, not as horrible as I thought he would be. Okay. Like he, he shows some he shows some acting chops in this. Unfortunately, a lot of the dialogue that they had him saying was awful. so stupid. <laughs> but he he showed some genuine range in Uh-oh. this, which yeah. There is a scene. There is a scene where he kills somebody by uh, stabbing them with t- two hand. What? 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 What the, what the fuck kind of a movie is this? Yeah. So get this. He stabs somebody with two handfuls of adrenaline shots. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. He he just grabs up two handfuls of adrenaline shots and he's like, so, "Bam! You're dead." Is this Crank Four? Is that what yeah, this is? Cr- yeah. It's called Hours. High voltage. <laughs> Every second counts. Yeah, so that one I I can't recommend. Uh, one that I can recommend to some people is Here Comes the Devil, which was one that we're going to be covering not till early next month on the site, but we will have a review coming for this. I think it's probably okay. okay. Now I completely remember what this film is, and yes, I want to see this very badly. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's okay to talk about this, but this is a Mexican horror film about a a married couple who they're kind of on a family trip and they have two kids, a boy and a girl. They go off to explore this this hill, this kind of mountainous looking hill, and the husband and wife end up kind of fooling around a little bit no. in the car. And the kids disappear, and they're gone all night. They come back the next day, but things seem changed. Oh. There's, there's some changes in the kids, okay. and it's just about the the mystery behind that and what happens. I think that this could definitely be a polarizing film for people. I think that some people may absolutely hate it. I think that some people may love it. Okay. They're... There, the ending is definitely one that will immediately polarize people, and the fact that it is an extremely slow burn, like it, there's extreme violence that happens, but only it's very sparse, and there's no big like build up uh, to a like a big bloody climax. Like that doesn't happen in this movie. It's it's very subtle, very creepy. And it's it's pretty explicit. I mean, there's a lot of this is about sexuality. And so there's a lot of sex in this movie. But Uh-oh. Uh-oh. it's it's still worth seeing. I thought that it was different enough. I mean, it's clearly a movie that is 
harkening back to 70s horror films of the 70s and for that i loved it and they they do something that i that i rarely see in movies now nowadays and that's the quick zoom you know where they'll like in hor- old horror movies how they used oh, to man, do that. Oh man, that was like a seventy staple right there. Yeah, where they quick would do like the quick zoom in on something. They do that a lot in this movie, and it looks amazing. They use there is one scene in this movie where they use a split screen, and it like it it completely works. Okay, in how they do it, but it's just one scene. So uh, but I I enjoyed it. Quite a bit, and I do recommend it. I am, yeah, I want to see this very badly. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'll uh, get on board. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Sounds like it's up my alley. It's pretty low budget, so like some of the effects look kind of rough, but I like slow burn horror. It's, yeah, it's definitely a slow burn. Good. Uh, and then that's all I saw, then 12 Years a Slave, which we'll be coming Tw- back to next week. Oh. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Thor The Dark World. Ernie, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No problem. Ready to talk about some Thor? Yeah, I'm ready to get the Thor going. It's hammer time. <laughs> uh, real quick before we jump into this, you're, you're at AFI right now. How's that going? Um, so far, so good. Uh, haven't been able to nail as many of the big ones as I hoped. I was literally standing in line for Out of the Furnace for for two hours and missed the cutoff by 10 people <laughs> see this that's not that's not cool they shouldn't do that so well they sometimes they have overflow but because uh, all theaters are in full motion like i actually could have seen saving mr banks on uh thursday but i didn't know they were gonna have overflow theaters so but um yeah out of the furnace i missed by 10 people i'm like uh crap <laughs> like okay <laughs> So for all the gala gala screenings and special screenings, they don't have press passes for those. Um, for you have to ever- like try to reserve one or something. No, basically, it's for path for passes. You basically get in line with everybody else, but um, they have a separate line. Those are the lines for basically who they'll be able to admit to the screenings. But because it's a gala screening, those are usually the ones that are the most heavily attended and are usually the hardest ones to get into. So there's always a chance you may not get in at all. I did get into August Osage County, and uh, that turned out to be really good. And um, let's see, I'm I have a tick for Last Emperor 3D, and whether or not I'll get in there, I don't know. <laughs> so, but I'm still trying for Nebraska. I don't think that's very likely, and who knows if I'll get inside uh, the Well on Davies for the uh, closing. But we'll see. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of other stuff that you're going to be checking out there so stay tuned uh, for coverage on that so let's get back to thor this is directed by alan taylor stars chris hemsworth natalie portman tom hiddleston anthony hopkins a whole bunch of other people zachary levi yeah basically everybody who was in thor one that survived is in thor (laughs) two yeah pretty much Uh, I do have a synopsis here. Faced with an enemy that even Odin and Asgard cannot withstand, Thor must embark on his most perilous and personal journey yet, one that will reunite him with Jane Foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all. Not not entirely sure that that's true, but either way, I have a review for this up on the site, so we'll start with you, Ernie. What did you think of Thor The Dark World? Um, I actually liked it better than Thor, 
but in terms of the entire Marvel verse that started with, I guess it was Iron Man. That yeah. Kick, kick it off. It's probably on the lower end of the spectrum. I mean, I liked it more than Thor one, and I liked it more than Iron Man two. But it's Thor out of all the the Marvel characters is probably my least favorite film franchise so far. But I, I like the character, but the movies are just not up to all the other ones. So. I completely agree with you. That's exactly how I feel. I think that seems to be the general consensus where it it certainly is better than the first Thor. And I think the main thing about it is the humor. There's mm-hmm. a lot more humor in this one than in the, the first Thor. And I think that that really goes a long way because I mentioned in the interview, it's such a ridiculous premise. You know, you have these people in these kind of silly costumes. Let's Let's be real. <laughs> They're kind of silly. And the plot lines are also equally ridiculous. And you have like this blending of mythology and real world. And it's just so far-fetched. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas you know, you have something like Iron Man where it's all based on technology and less mysticism and magic. So it's a little bit more grounded. And you can, you can take a movie like that more seriously. <laughs> but with a movie like Thor... Putting in a lot of humor and a lot of jokes help keep things light. And I think that they distract us from laughing at some of the other stuff that's not supposed to be necessarily funny. Yeah. But I did find... So I I did like all the humor. I thought that that was... uh, Most of that really worked for me. I thought that a lot of it was genuinely funny, except for... What's her name? Kat Dennings. I thought that she was so annoying. (laughs) I just... Uh, yeah, she was pretty. She was pretty much the unofficial comic relief of <laughs> yeah, but her, her, was... and the intern, whatever his name is. So just... Yeah, I did not. I, yeah, I didn't like so. that whole thing. I thought that that was pretty ridiculous. But you know, but they did. Uh, they did better utilize Natalie Portman in this one. She had more to do. Right. You. Know. Yeah, she. Yeah, that was kind of um, surprising. Like I didn't realize that they were going to make her such a uh, integral part of the story, which. The story in and of itself, I thought was pretty dumb. Like, I thought it was completely forgettable. Like, yeah, much like the first Thor, it's pretty much the exact same. There's some sort of mysterious thing that can cause great power and some bad guy wants to get it and mm. ruin everybody's day. Right. And this one is uh, the ex- exact same. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my problem with the when the Avengers movie was announced and they said they bring a Thor and he was the wild card for me. Cause I'm like thinking, okay, I can buy into because all the other ones are like humans. They're, they were their people. And then they had all these extraordinary things to put upon him. But Thor is a mythical God, right? <laughs> which is like, okay, you have to somehow buy into all this. They're, they're out there. But like, then when you bring reality and it's like, there are no guys out there. What are you talking about? <laughs> So that was the hardest sell, but I bought into it and I liked the character. Then when he was in the Avengers, I was like, okay, I get it. He's great. He's awesome. But um, I guess now with Thor 2, and I imagine when Thor 3 comes around, it's just the whole, the situation that he has to go up against has got to be so out of this world and outlandish in order to meet the expectations of what Thor is. So, I mean, it worked perfectly with Avengers because they all had to come together and they're facing aliens. That's fine, but here you're dealing with other gods and mythical creatures, and it's like, it, it was fun, and entertaining. But after a while, you're like, how is this now that we're in phase two of the Marvelverse? How is this all going to come together for 
I don't know if it's going to impact Avengers 2, but most likely Avengers 3 or something. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like it was really generic. Like the enemies, the dark elves or whatever, I thought that they yeah. were really generic looking. And I just it, it was uh, it was almost reminiscent of um, the reboot Star Trek. Uh, it was never the, the villain was reminiscent of Nero almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's can like, I, I, I need this power and I'm going to take everybody out. <laughs> it's like, uh, hmm. Yeah, and wasn't, uh, was it the first Star Trek where they were dealing with that red, yeah, red stuff? Yeah, uh, red, matter, red Matter, I think it was called. And, and uh, Yeah, and this one is basically the same thing. It's just called the Ether. The, the Ether. And, uh, A.K.A. The, the floating red liquid. Yeah, the, the, float, the floating red glob. <laughs> yeah, so all that stuff, I just wasn't really on board, but... The I like the action scenes for the most part. I thought that they were all fairly typical, except for the last one involving the the gravitational rifts or whatever they were. Yeah, basically the portals. I thought that that right. was really cool. I I liked how all that played out, and um, I would like to get back to the performances a little bit and mention Tom Hiddleston because obviously, at least in my opinion, he once again kind of stole the show. As yeah. Loki, I think that he was by far the best part of the movie. Yeah, and he's probably he's probably even even more developed here than he was in Thor or Avengers because yeah. you, you see many more layers to his character. That yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's kind of got a heart. <laughs> not not to like like give any spoilers or anything, but there 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 is something ticking in there that despite his coldness. Yeah, but he's still an evil guy. But <laughs> yeah, and and it was interesting because in this one he's kind of a good guy. You know, he teams up with Thor in order to mm. save Asgard and from these yeah. people. Uh, they're they're uh, again. I don't want to get into spoilers either, but there is a specific reason that kind of pushes him to do this. Uh, something that happens. But right. getting back to the action, what what was your take on? You know the big action set pieces. Um, I really, I definitely of all of it, I liked the uh, the final fight. It was far more satisfying than what they did in the first movie, and uh, just the fact that they're going all over the place, all over the map, and um, and you can finally really get because in, in Avengers you real Thor never really had an opponent until he was like messing with the Hulk, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can see how what kind of opponent he can deal with, and here you finally see him physically dealing with an opponent as opposed to mentally uh, um, playing a chess game with Loki as he did in the first one. Right. And uh, so, but I definitely liked how the, the fight scenes came out and it didn't seem crazily confusing, but um, basically in the end, when, when the action did finally come to earth and I saw what was going down, I'm like, okay, this is the moment where you're going to hear Avengers assemble. Hmm. And I'm like, where I'm waiting for it. Avengers assemble. I'm like thinking this is going down. I'm like, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, where, where, they, where, 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 where are the Avengers? <laughs> See, that's, that's, so... un- yeah. Unfortunately, that's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with. Like, yeah. with every single one of these movies is, and, and they have to deal with it in the comic books too. Like, right, right. There has to be uh, some sort of balance where, the the stakes have to be high enough that it's going to be pleasing to the audience and they're going to see, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to feel threatened. But at the same yeah. time, it can't be 
the stakes can't be so high that people are like, why, why aren't the Avengers? Where are the Avengers yeah. at during all this? Yeah, because a big alien ship, this is obviously takes place after New York, and a big alien ship just shows up out of the blue. Some anomaly is taking place in the sky, and the only per- the only Avenger there is Thor. Like, <laughs> and not not unless there's something going on in the timeline that they haven't told us about. That like maybe this is like mere days afterwards or something. I don't know, but I, think, I was like, uh, ex- I was expecting something more than just the the uh, the uh, the British uh, Air Force to try and do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They do get involved. Well, I'm thinking maybe that there's some behind the scenes stuff like with Shield. Like Shield's probably. Mm. They're probably at least aware of it, and they did yeah. say that there is going to be a tie-in with this into the Shield TV show, right? So right. I guess that'll be maybe next week. That'll yeah, be I imagine that something. would be uh, the episode airing this week. I would think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's going to be something there. That, so they'll at least try to address it. But <clears> yeah, uh, I don't. There, there are. many spoilers that we can get into but i don't think we really need to i think that really the only thing would be there are two stingers at the end of this one did you see both of them uh i did and i don't know what it was but the first one uh without giving away who's involved kind of felt like batman and robin to me (laughs) It, it felt like it was like a joel schumacher scene i'm like and then when when the the main character that they're introducing shows up, be like, oh, hmm, I didn't think that's what he was gonna look like. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, like I knew I knew that that character is was gonna be involved in right. the, the Marvel stuff because they did announce that like a while back. I didn't expect it to be him to have him pop up so soon, but yeah, I don't know where they're gonna go with all that, mm-hmm. but uh, could could be interesting. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's like uh, too many questions come up that you know, it's like, okay, audience has to wait several years and, or maybe not until Guardians of the Galaxy before we actually know what's going on there. There's uh, also, yeah, there was also a twist at the end of the movie. The not It was before the credits. Like it was during the actual movie project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand that twist. And I like none of it made sense to me at all. Mm. I was just like, how did that mm. happen? um yeah i was thinking that too i was like wait a minute i was like and then i was because basically without giving anything away he's a trickster and an illusionist loki he's a trickster and illusionist and makes you see something while he's doing something else so events transpire and i'm thinking oh wait a minute and then as it was going i was like oh okay uh he pulled a fast one yeah i I uh, just i didn't really understand any of that but um at the end i'm I'm wondering when that's really going to come into play. Or do we literally have to wait until Avengers three? Is he going to be now tied into something with? Uh... Oh, actually, I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know when they're going to revisit Thor's world. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they're not doing another Thor for a while. I don't think because they have it all planned out for many years. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know when they're going to be doing another Thor. Probably won't be for a while. Probably not until after Avengers two, and, and yeah, who knows? Not. I imagine it would have to be between two and three because I got that's probably when they're going to start setting up. Uh, um, what's his face? The villain who showed up at the end of the Avengers. Uh, Thanos. Well, Thanos. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Hmm. <laughs> so I imagine that's where it's probably going to come together or something. 
Yeah. Do you have anything else to add about Thor? Like, I, I don't... For some reason, I just don't have a lot to say about it. Like, it was it was good. It wasn't great. I still recommend going to see it. Yeah, it was uh, definitely... It was entertaining, and it's definitely probably likely going to be like any other Marvel movie, whereas you have to at least see the group movie and the individual's previous movies to make sense of what is going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in absolutely. This one. You don't have to see. It's not like Fast and Furious where you have to see the entire Marvel verse. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, here you you would, uh, you would definitely need to see at least the first Thor and the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. But um, it it was still a good movie, entertaining, fun. But in the end, it was just like, hmm, all right, uh, what's next? <laughs> so yeah, to to me, it felt like it was just kind of a stepping stone. Like it, it just felt like. It, they threw it out there just so we could get one step closer to the Avengers 2. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, did you see it in 3D or was it in 2D? No, I, no, I just saw it in 2D. I didn't All right. I didn't really care to see it in 3D. Yeah, because I know in 3D they had the uh, Captain America uh, footage. Um, the footage, if, if anyone went to Comic-Con, the, the footage is actually a fight scene, a Captain America fight scene that they showed in full at Comic-Con. And then... Followed up by the new Captain America trailer, so yeah. So if you see right. if you if you seen the Captain America trailer, you're not missing anything. You're just missing the fight scene, but the fight scene is an awesome scene. So that's definitely one to look forward to when that movie comes out. I'm pretty excited for that one. I'm excited for that more more so than Thor. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I gave Thor a six out of ten in my review. I think I gave it a six out of ten. What are you giving it? I, I give it about a seven, which is about what I gave the first one. So yeah. All right, there you have it. Thor, The Dark World. Go check it out in theaters. Thanks, Ernie, for taking some time to talk with us. No problem. All right, let's talk about some predictions. We only, we only predicted Thor last week because that was really the only big movie that came out. Thor. So, Thor, The Dark World. I said 76. You said 79. Actual 66 on Thor. Next week, they're actually... Uh, at least according to this, it doesn't look like there's any wide release movies next week. Oh, great. Yeah. That's that's exciting. So I don't think we can predict anything. What? However, in, in limited release, now maybe this is coming out in wide release, but I can't see it. It is Nebraska. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's got to be limited. I, I just don't see that opening wide. No. Uh, also, Charlie Countryman... Dear Mitter, dear Mitter, dear Mister Waterson, which is the documentary about Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, I, I want to see that so bad. Anything yeah. Calvin and Hobbes related? Yeah, same here. But it's probably going to be shit. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking because they don't, they don't even get him. Yeah, you, involved. Yeah, like, he's not going to talk to you. So I, don't, I don't know. Sunlight Junior, which. That's actually playing on, I don't know if it's on, It's. I think it's on Amazon. You can watch it. I've actually yeah. been hearing good things about that. I just, I think the name's funny. Yeah, the name is very funny. Sunlight Junior. Sunlight Junior. Uh, Faust, Geography nice. Club, and Cold Turkey, which is the... And the, and the, uh, the Great Beauty, which is Paulo Sorrento. I want to see that. But won't be able to. Yay. But no, I could, but I could it. go fucking see about time. Yeah, there you or, go. Or Ender's Game, or Free Birds. 
or Las Vegas. Did you see that there is uh there is another one that's coming out called like Winter's Tale and it's sort of like a time travel romance as well. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it looks ridiculous. <sighs> not not necessarily time travel, but I think they're like immortal or something. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> uh, amazing. All right, on video on demand next week, we have Cold Turkey, which is the Peter Bogdanovich one. Not too interested in that. Charlie Countryman, that's the one with Shia LaBeouf. Not too interested in that. Geography Club, which is uh, about, uh, I think it's sort of a comedy about a group of gay and lesbian teens that create a club in secret to talk about being gay and lesbian with each other. <laughs> it looks really bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, your description is the best. Yep. Uh, so I'm not interested in that. And Medora, which is the documentary about that town that has the, the the basketball team that is like in last place, and it's the town's like falling apart. And yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. that actually looks really good. I'm interested in. I'm that. just I'm I'm so sick and tired of documentaries. It's just it doesn't end. I can't take it anymore. I feel like it's been it's been like a week since I've seen a documentary, so there's just like every week like six or seven of them come out. Yeah. Fortunately <clears throat> I have like a pile of documentaries waiting for me to watch, so enjoy that shit. Yeah. DVD and Blu-ray releases, we have Man of Steel, Francis Ha Criterion. Oh shit. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. That's that was one of my favorite movies this year, so I didn't get to see it yet. I'm I, I think it's crazy that they're putting that out on Criterion right away like that. Yeah, they they love their Noah Baumbach. I don't know why, but they're all about him. They do. Uh, Turbo, not interested in that. Turbo. I forgot about Turbo. (laughs) Uh, Ip Man, The Final Fight. How many Ip Mans are there? I think that's the third one. Pretty sure that's that's the one that does not have Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen was in the first two, and then I think Final Fight is the third one. That's that's insane. Blackfish, which I do recommend that if you haven't seen that yet. Prince Avalanche, recommend that. Barbara, you saw that, didn't you? What, what did I see? Barbara. Barbara. I did see that. That's just coming out on DVD now. Yeah. Jeez, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. I Declare War, which I would say is a light recommend. Drafthouse Films is putting that out. Not Fade Away, which is the directorial debut of David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos. Ooh. James Gandolfini. I did see that. It's pretty good. It's not not terrible. And Paradise, which is the Diablo Cody directorial debut. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, probably skip that. I heard terrible things about that. We did talk about that before. Too. I heard terrible things too, and the most terrible was directed by Diablo Cody. Yeah, that was the <laughs> worst thing that I heard about that film. That right there summed up everything. Uh, right. Anything else to add on DVD and Blu-rays? Uh, there is one more Criterion coming out along with Francis Ha, and that is Charlie Chaplin's City Lights from 1931. Cool. Chaplin fans, check it out. All right, well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us an email, feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches the Movie.
You could have just made up a name and I wouldn't have known anyway. So <laughs> Yes, the kid. Yes. That's what the Jaguar. <laughs> You'd be like, oh okay, yeah, I remember that one. 